Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode 25. What up? Today on the podcast, I have my very first repeat guest, Michael Boink. Michael's been traveling all over the country in his fifth wheel for over six years now with his family of four. And his story is really interesting because he's done a crazy wide variety of work and had multiple businesses on the road, something that we go into more detail on in episode four, which is the first time I had him on this podcast. He talks about the seven different income streams that he has built while traveling in his RV. It's a great episode. Go check it out. Today on the podcast, we're talking about work camping. In addition to self-publishing technical books and running his own web agency for several years, Mike and his family have done multiple work camping gigs. And if you're not familiar, work camping is where you essentially are working part-time to cover your lodging. A lot of people find work camping gigs at RV parks and campgrounds where you might spend 10 to 15 hours a week helping out at the front desk, cleaning lots, and other various duties. And in exchange, you get a free campsite. Not a bad deal. This is actually called camp hosting, where you're doing it at a campground, and it's a subset of work camping. A lot of people think it's the same thing, but there is a difference. Work camping, you can actually be a tour guide, giving various tourist-type tours of lighthouses or whatever you're giving a tour of. You can be a security guy. It, it could be many, many things. So we talk about the difference between those two today. And we haven't talked about work camping before on the podcast because the RV entrepreneur focuses on people living in RVs, building businesses from the road, and that's what I decided to build this on. And those have been the people that I decided to focus this podcast on. But I've had a lot of people talk and, and bring up work camping, so I wanted to address it in a podcast to talk about how do you find those opportunities. So Michael still fits the bill as an RV entrepreneur. He's had multiple businesses and he's used work camping as a way to decrease expenses occasionally on the road and also open his family up to new experiences they wouldn't have had otherwise, like working on a ranch out in West Texas. This episode, Mike shares some of his best and worst work camping experiences, how to find work camping jobs, various websites you can use to find these opportunities, and a few reasons why he believes work camping can be a great way to travel full-time. Let's get into today's episode with Michael Boyne. Mike, thanks for being on the podcast with me today, man. Thanks for having me. Where are you at right now? We are in Alamosa, Colorado. If I look off to the east, I see the Great Sand Dune National Monument. That's awesome, man. It's What's kind of crazy is that I, you and I jumped on a podcast a year ago, last July, and recorded that episode. It's wild. It's been a year already. It's wow. been a year. And it doesn't seem like it, but it actually was. And fun fact for anybody listening to this podcast who's listened to the f- episode number four with Mike, that was actually my first episode to record of the podcast. I didn't even have a mic or anything yet. I just threw my uh, <laughs> pod. And I remember like when I was recording it, I was having to turn stuff off. And anyway, so I appreciate you being my uh, my guinea pig. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people probably have already heard your story or have heard of DitchingSuburbia.com, which is y'all's blog, and that y'all been on the road for the past five years. But for mm-hmm. anybody that didn't go listen to that episode, can you give the 30,000-foot overview into your life and the work that you guys have been doing on the road for the past few years? Yeah, so we started in 2010, and we were we were really your pretty typical average suburban family. I mean, I had, uh, I had the two kids, you know, one of each gender. <laughs> We had the ranch house in the suburbs. You know, I had a corporate office job for a while. Uh, we were homeschooling our kids, and that was our life. And somewhere in there, uh, the the idea came up like, hey, or just the realization more that um, we could do this anywhere. There's nothing holding us uh, to this area. All all the work had become online by that point. I got out of the corporate world and started my own business. 
And so everything was online and homeschooling didn't tie us to a school. So um, we packed up and hit the road in September of 2010 with the idea of doing it for a year. It was just a one-year lark as a homeschool family. We'll go see all these cool places and it'll be this big educational experience. And then um, we just liked it so much that we finished the year out, went home, sold the house, kind of went all in at that point. And so now it's been five and a half years, six years in September. And so we launched with a 12 and 13-year-old and now now I have a 19 and almost 18-year-old. The 19-year-old moved out last September, so it's the three of us now. And my daughter will be 18 in, gosh, a couple of weeks. Wow. Is that uh, crazy? It is, man. Well, it's, you know, it goes back to our, you know, when anyone asked me, like, why did you do this? Why did you make this big change? And I, I point back to my son turning 13. And when you go from a kid being 12 to being 13, and as a parent realizing that you now have a teenager in the house, that's a huge realization of how fast <laughs> life is going. And that's what spurred us to get on the road. I'm like, holy cow, 13 years have gone by with this kid already. He's going to be gone. You know, if we blink again, he's going to be out of the house. So if we're going to do this thing, we got to do it now. And that it's just proved so true that five and a half years sounds like a long time. It was the blink of an eye. Man, that is, that's wild. I, a listener getting to that age where our siblings and our friends are starting to have kids and it just has, I still feel like a kid. So it's still, it's, yeah. it's weird to think <laughs> yeah. about the fact that well, I still do too. You, you'll never lose that feeling. <laughs> I just can't imagine, you know, like I, I kind of, even though I have no idea what you're talking about, as far as that exact feeling of having a teenager, I can empathize with the fact that it's just, I still feel like I should be on the kid spectrum of things, you yeah. know, figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's after you have a kid, like, Without a kid in the house, you know, you get up every day and you kind of look the same and your wife kind of looks the same and years can go by and there's not a whole lot of, you know, even physical changes that go on. But boy, you add a baby in the house, you know, and huge things happen in two months or three months. I mean, that, that little being changes so much. It, it really starts to drive home how fast time goes. And that really changed for me when we had our kids. I mean, I'm sure the dynamic of being on the road with all of you guys was, I mean, an, an awesome experience, but do you feel like it, it helped you guys? Obviously, I mean, you were physically in proximity closer, uh, but yeah, like, do you think it helped you guys grow a lot closer as a family too, which might be a stupid trite question, um, <laughs> but I'm going to ask well, my, it anyway. My joke continually was, you know, we, we, we left with a 12 and 13 year old, so we took puberty and stuffed it into a 30 foot box. <laughs> That's fine. And that's that's true in every sense of the word. I mean, any everything that you know you expect to have happen during those years happened while we were on the road. And it was kind of like and we've heard other families say this too, other traveling families. You know, you live in a trailer, there's no room for an elephant. You can't have any elephants in the room. If there's issues, you have to deal with them because there's no place to go hide from each other. And I think that really it's makes some moments painful, but I guess they're going to be painful regardless. You know, the point is that you have to deal with them and process them and get through them because you just, you can't delay it when you live in such close proximity. So yeah, I think it has, you know, the, the hard thing is the other, the other joke I make a lot is, you know, I can wish we had a second set of kids and left them in the suburbs so we could do AB testing, you know, between the two. <laughs> Cause you don't know what your life would have been like if you'd stayed, you know, all you can do is imagine what it might've been like. So it's hard to know how accurate that imagining is. But if I look at the relationship my kids have, I, you know, even between the two of them, I mean, they're still, you know, Facebook chatting every day, you know, just because the boy moved out doesn't mean they're, you know, they're not in contact with each other. So I, I think they're especially closer than they would have been. 
Yeah, I can only imagine being stuffed in an RV with my two brothers going <laughs> through puberty at the same time. Just so much testosterone, and I was in the middle, and uh, th they were just a few years apart from me. But they were they were seven years apart, so they were far enough that they wouldn't fight, but I would fight oh, with gotcha. both of them. And so I can only imagine my poor parents. See, I'm, I'm I'm also a middle child, but I have an older brother, younger sister. Man. Well, I don't want to, I'm, I'm excited. I could talk about this kind of stuff all day, but the reason <laughs> I brought you back on the podcast was because I wanted to talk about uh, work camping. We talked about this a little bit in episode four a year ago, yeah. crazy, but we talked about just y'all's experience and all the different kinds of ways that you guys have brought in income from the book that you guys published to affiliate income, a workshop that you guys have taught and all your work camping experiences. And since then, I've had a conversations with lots of people in our Facebook group talking about, uh, you know, if they're just looking into working on the road and RVing and they have no idea, like they have no desire to start a business or anything like that. One of the more practical ways that they could pack up an RV and hit the road is work camping. Um, but I just kind of wanted to have a conversation with you around your experiences and work camping over the last five years and also your experience running your business on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can you kind of give a little bit of an overview on the types of work camping experiences that you guys have had and also the business that you run? Yeah, so work camping, um, we added up, I think if we add up all the jobs that we've done, so we've been on the road five and a half years, we've work camped for about a little over a year of that. So about 20% of the time um, we've been involved in work camping gigs. So we have worked for a couple of private RV parks. We have worked for a county-owned, so government-owned uh, campground. And we have worked on a animal rescue ranch, a private animal rescue ranch. And we've spent time just on a Texas, a big Texas it's kind of standard ranch. He had horses and a big garden and multiple buildings. And so some of that is, you know, traditional camp hosting and some of it is more what I would call work camping. So the, those, that's kind of the summary of our work camping experience. Um, during all of that, I've been running my web development company, doing the, the uh, occasional training, uh, running and getting the affiliate income going. So and that's one of the puzzles of work camping, actually. It's just from a scheduling perspective, how do you integrate you know, doing your own thing, but also having this responsibility to another person or another company to spend some time for them. Yeah. And you guys just finished up a work camping gig in uh, Colorado. How was that? We did that one. Um, it, it was, it was okay for a while. Then it just kind of went in a direction. Well, there were a few things. Um, one was my wife's health was not doing well. We were in Colorado at about 7,000 feet and between Elevation and allergies, she was having dizzy spells and even out and out vertigo uh, a couple times. And it just wasn't improving. I think we went from pine pollen season right into the cottonwood season. And we're, all of our allergies were just uh, really suffering. So that was kind of the main driver. We actually ended that gig early, uh, and that was the, the main driver for that. Um, in and around all of that were some other frustrations from a scheduling perspective. It didn't turn out to be like we wanted um, between the three of us. So Miranda was actually involved in that one as well. There was an ice cream store on, in the campground that she ran. Um, but between the three of us, we were working six days out of seven. And so that left one day a week to actually get out and explore and go see anything. Um, and it also made just getting laundry and shopping and all that stuff done on a regular basis. It made that challenging as well. So you guys weren't actually doing a lot of work on your own business at that time, right? Yeah, it really kind of, I mean, we still managed to get out an occasional blog post and stuff, but for the most part, you know, that was the challenge for me was it was only a 15 hour a week engagement for work camping, which is on the, on the smaller end, we've had bigger uh, requirements, but 
the schedule was those 15 hours were being, it was like a nine to two during three business days a week. So it was kind of slicing the heart out of my work week, traditional work week <clears throat> and having to spend time for the campground during that time instead. Yeah. Looking back, I mean, you said on Neil's website that for all the troubled experiences you guys had with work camping, it was still a viable and good option when income was tight and work was piling up. So what kind of troubled experiences have you guys had <laughs> and like what, what prompted you to get into doing some of these work camping gigs? So the very first one, um, I had a, just a big project, a big website that I needed to get done. And it was, there was, so there was a good chunk of money waiting there for me if I could, you know, sit down and crank through the code and get it, get it built out. So we, we kind of just needed to stop down from traveling and allow me to, to focus on that. Um, and then at the same time, we didn't have, I don't think we had a lot of reserves at the time financially. So we, the camp hosting looked attractive because you wouldn't be paying for the campsite during that time that you stopped down. Uh, so that particular gig, it, it, we, we worked through and did our whole engagement there, but um, just that park was not we're managed by a telescope through a telescope. I've never, <laughs> the, the owners lived, they were like on a bay so they could get on a telescope and see into the campground, which was like three miles from their house. So you'd be doing something in the park and you'd get a phone, you'd get a call on the radio. Like, you know, why did you just let that rig in? You're like, where are you? <laughs> like you're watching me from afar. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There were just a lot of weird things going on there that uh, just, yeah, it was not a, not a good experience. But we learned a lot. I mean, we learned we'd, we'd never been to that park before. So we, we came out saying, okay, we're only going to camp host at parks that we've actually visited before. So that it's not totally unknown to us. You know, we just, we, we kind of came up with some guidelines for ourselves in that respect and how to evaluate these jobs. And, and yeah, and even doing so this last one, we still kind of got into one that didn't work out well for us. What happened there? This last one? Yeah. Well, it was the scheduling thing. Um, just um, not all. I, I wanted us all working on the same days so that we would have more common time off to go explore as a family. And for me, the work that I was doing personally was not real. I wasn't interacting with campers and I wasn't really schedule dependent. I, I could have, you know, I was fixing lawnmowers and fixing weed whackers and I got a quad runner working and just stuff like that. I, I could have done it at any time. Um, so it would have worked if I could have said, I'll give you 15 hours, but let me find those hours. But instead what I got was a schedule every week and I had to work the schedule. What would you rate if you could your happiness level when doing work camping gigs across the board versus the time that you spent working on Boink Interactive or any of y'all's businesses that you've had on the road, if you could? There's still, there's still highlights and there's still... I mean, I think especially the time that we spent working for the county park that was in Mesa, Arizona. So the things that happened there, I'm trying to think how to put that. So even though that one was actually, was it 28 hours a week? It was more hours per week, but like any other time spent in the park counted. So there was a lot of mountain biking trails. So I could go out mountain biking with my, my son and the time we spent mountain biking would count towards our work camping requirement. You know, which makes sense because you know you're learning the park and you're able to then recommend trails to other campers, um, so that it works out well in that regard. But what happened there was, my daughter had this awesome experience in that she started going to all of the little ranger talks that they have because she just loves the desert, and they noticed her interest because she would keep coming back on the same talk. Like you know, Randy, you've been on this new to the you know new to the desert thing <laughs> three times now, and you keep coming back. Um, so they started assigning parts of the talk to her. 
Oh. Like, okay, if you're going to come back again anyway next week, when we get to the, the barrel cactus, uh, you're going to talk about the, the barrel cactus. And they slowly started feeding in additional parts of that talk to her. So by the end of our time there, she gave the entire presentation. That's awesome. So she was 14 at the time. She was 14 years old. Um, she would tell you that she hates science, but she was speaking publicly to strangers about natural sciences. So she's describing, you know, the animals of the desert, the plant life of the desert, the basic, you know, you know, environmental weather factors, all that stuff that they include in those talks. She was doing all of that. And so, and, you know, I'm watching, the, you know, that experience would not have happened if we weren't camp hosting because it just took time to, to germinate. Yeah. I mean, looking at the common duties for most camp work can be gigs is that checking people in, cleaning bathrooms, various, various things that you need to do around the campground to kind of fix stuff. Is that kind of the most of work camping duties? For me, um, camp hosting is a subset of work camping. So you can get jobs as an RVer. I mean, we've seen work camping jobs where you're giving tours of lighthouses or you're giving tours on old battleships or you're on a, you can actually work camp for a private party, you know, park your RV on their land and then do maintenance or whatever, or just be like a security presence on the land. Those are all kind of work camping engagements. Camp hosting is a subset of that where you're working for a campground. So we've done, we've done both. So we've, we've spent time just work camping on private, you know, private properties and we've been in campgrounds and we actually prefer the private property uh, engagements. And is that the kind of engagement that you'd find through a website like Wolf? Yeah, that was one of them. So that was our first Texas ranch engagement I found through, through Wolfing. And so Wolfing is worldwide opportunities on organic farms. It's kind of a dating service for owners of organic farms that need help. And then people that want to learn how to do more organic food raising. So they basically target, I mean, they would actually be targeting more like you guys' age. So young 20s, probably no kids, um, just want to travel the world, but not necessarily by RV. This gives them a way to, to move around. So the work of the woofing engagement is you, the basic expectation is 30 hours a week in exchange for food and you know, room and board. So you get, you get meals and you get a place to stay. So we're not your typical woofer. Um, so what I did for that one was put in, just basically put an ad out there saying, here's who we are. We, you know, we're going to come with our own lodging. You just, if you have room to park in our RV and hookups for it, um, we'd be happy to come. And then here's the kind of stuff that we can do. I just described each of us and the skills that we had, you know, I'm mechanical so I can fix stuff or, you know, we can do gardening or any manual labor or whatever. And we had responses from like three different Texas uh, ranches that I think all of them would have worked in one way or another. We just, uh, what I did was just call the owners of each one and talk to them on the phone. And the one that we chose, he was a, he built houses. So he had this Texas ranch, they had gardens and horses and he was putting in a, um, hydroponics place to, to like grow lettuce hydroponically. But he also built houses for a living. So he had, you know, I told him what we needed for a site. I mean, you know, I need 15 amp service. I need sewer. I need a water connection. He's like, you know, what dimensions do you need? I'll, I'll, I'll have that ready by the time you get here. So by the time we rolled in, he had basically a full hookup site all created for us. Have you guys ever uh, looked through Work Camping, like the actual company and the website? I think we had a membership for a short time where I got a discount or something. I don't Actually, our first job came through came through them. Oh, really? Now that I think about it. Yeah, somebody uh, somebody asked if if a work camping membership was worth it, or can you just find work camping gigs on your own? We've been able to find everything else not 
not using work camping. There's a free site. I think it's just uh, workforrvers.com where she lists, lists postings every every month. She has a new set of uh, work camping postings. So you can find them not using work camping if you don't want to pay their membership fee. You know, they've got a whole platform built around the idea of work camping. So if you want kind of training on it or you want, I think they do seminars and meetups and I don't know. It didn't seem that complex to me. Like you show up, you work in exchange for your site. So we didn't, we didn't see the need to buy additional educational resources, but they're out there if you want them. Yeah. Is it, is it competitive to, I mean, I'm sure it depends on the part of the country when you're calling and things like that, but from your experience, has it been competitive to get work camping gigs or is it pretty easy? It can be. So if you're like the park actually that we were at in Arizona that I talked about Miranda having that great experience at, that's a really hard one to get a work camping job at because it's at a, it's probably our favorite park in the entire country. It's beautiful. You know, you're in, you're in Mesa during the winter. Um, it's a primary place to be. And there's a, you know, there's a ton of, you know, it's like snowbird heaven there. It's like there in South Texas is where the big retirement communities go. So that one we, we happened to get in because we, our first year around, we stayed there, and there actually was another family, another full-time RV family who was work camping there. And so we got to be friends with those guys. And then the next year, they called us and said, hey, there's – initially, it was just a short-term opening. It was like a month, I think, someone was going to be late showing up, and they just – they needed someone to fill that gap um, before somebody else showed up. So we took that short-term gig, and then by the time that ended, one of the other hosts hadn't worked out, so we took their took over their spot. So, yeah, it can be – you know, depending, you know, if you want the primary park, you know, in a great area of the country during the, during the hot season, you know, if you want to work camp in the Keys in Florida, I'm sure those are very <laughs> competitive jobs to get, you know, but if you want to be in Texas in the summertime, you can take your pick of parks, but you know, I mean, there's shoulder seasons in there too. Um, so, you know, I think if you, if you're looking at work camping as kind of a necessary thing, you can find those engagements. They just, they may not be the absolute primo spot that you'd want to be in. Yeah, that makes sense. If somebody is kind of shifting more to the conversation around building some type of business on the road, if somebody says, hey, I'm going to start a client-based business or uh, whatever blog that they're trying to monetize on the road, do you think that maybe if they're not hitting their financial numbers that work camping could be kind of a good backup gig to go out and try for a while while they're still figuring it out? Yeah, it can be. And that's kind of how we've used it, you know, to, to better or worse success in different spots. But um, if you can find the right engagement, where, especially if you can choose the hours so that you can kind of work it around, you know, so if you're really productive during standard business hours, if, if you could do the work camping hours at night or vice versa, um, I think it can be a really good spot. It, it's not, and I always say it's not for us, it has not been a way to make money. It's been a way to save money. So when we're work camping, we're not paying for the campsite. Often we've used the Wi-Fi of, of the host. So we, we've like put our air card on hold. There's another, you know, hundred bucks a month you can save. Um, you're not driving as much, so you're spending less on gas. And being in an area longer, you I mean you can usually do a little bit better job shopping. You can, you know, clip coupons or whatever. So if you need to do those things to save money, work camping can be kind of a good, you know, what do you call it, a garden or just a, a, a spot to stop down while you grow something else. Um, the, the flip side is, if you know, again, depending on the engagement, if they're going to dictate the hours and they want 30 hours a week all during standard business hours – it can also make it really hard to actually get the time and just the creative space to, to, to grow something else. That was actually the hardest part about where we were in uh, our last job, just the drama of the park. You know, we're, we're pretty drama-free people. We don't deal with it well. 
So you put us in a little bit of drama and it just, it kind of consumes us more than it might somebody else. And even, so get to the point, even where we weren't working, we're still talking about the park and the different things that are going on. I'm like, this is stupid. We're wasting our time talking about their stuff and, and we're not getting paid for it. Yeah. It almost feels like you're back in a nine to five job kind of thing again, huh? Yeah, it is. Cause you've got, you know, you've got other employees around you. You've got the, you know, in this case we had, there was a park owner who was kind of remote and not always there park managers who are trying to, you know, run it profitably. Um, there's other employees. There was like a, you become like a maintenance guy, I guess for about, I don't think I ever heard his actual title, but uh, he was on staff as a maintenance person. And then you've got the other camp hosts. So you've, you've got enough people around that you're going to have some of those political, you know, personality issues that you might have in an office place. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to find a work camping gig, how far in advance typically did you guys look for opportunities? We've been able to do a couple of months out. So not super far out. Like this last one, I knew I wanted to be in Colorado for the summertime. And I think I contacted them in February or March. No, a little sooner, probably January or February. And in that one, actually, I just, I just emailed the park. It was the one that we'd stayed at before and we knew we liked the park and we liked the area. So they didn't, I don't think they even had an active job posting open. I just emailed them and they actually remembered who we were. And that's how we got that job. Do you have any more other advice or thoughts on work camping just as a whole compared to the business that you guys are doing as far as pros and cons, you know, approach? You guys have a pretty good perspective on running y'all's business from the road and all these different types of income. So looking at, you know, all of these uh, streams of income that you have, like in your one bucket of your business, and then the experience that you guys have had in work camping, I mean, what are kind of just high overview pros, cons for each? For us, the work camping, again, it was, it was a way to save money, but it was also, if I think back through some of the jobs that we've had, it was a way to get different experiences other than just being in campgrounds all the time. Um, and not that, you know, there's some beautiful campgrounds in this country, but after a couple of years on the road, you know, to do something a little different starts looking attractive. So being able to park on, you know, half of an 80 acre te- Texas ranch and have that all to yourself with horses running by the window and that, that's pretty cool. You know, the, the couple months we did at the Animal Rescue Ranch was awesome for Miranda. You know, she got out. That I mean, that place had what, horses and pigs and donkeys and goats and sheep and an emu and cats. And, you know, she was just in heaven because she's, you know, she's our animal girl. But she got to learn how to vaccinate pigs. Oh, wow. You know, and that's just, you know, how are you going to learn that as a, as a you know 17-year-old girl otherwise? You know, and that engagement actually was great for me because Miranda pretty much earned our keep there. They, they did have... So they had all those animals that needed, they needed to be fed twice a day. So Miranda was getting up at 6.30 in the morning to go out and feed the animals. Uh, and then they also had an Airbnb um, barn on the site. And, and Krista would occasionally go help clean that up in between rentals. But they didn't rent a ton. So that a ton, there wasn't a ton of that work available. So that one for me worked out well because it, it freed me up to just focus on my work. I had, I had very little responsibility around that spot. So it can, work camping can work well in parallel with launching a business. So long as you structure the relationship right, again, if you can set your own hours and not be on somebody else's schedule, that was the big one for me. And and maybe I'm just spoiled after working for myself for so long. I hated being on someone else's schedule. I like to get up on a Monday and kind of plan out my week and and let me, you know, I like to choose that, not be waiting for a piece of paper from somebody else that tells me how my, week's, my, my week is going to go. Um, but, you know, to be able to save money and, and just, you know, spend some time focusing on, 
and getting the income going and not being, you know, paying campgrounds all the time because that can get expensive too. You know, summer camping seasons, when everybody is out, you know, it can get more expensive and harder to find parks. So work camping is kind of a way to get out of those, um, the busy RV crowd in the summertime too. You can pull away and take a composting job instead. So it can work well. Um, challenges, again, scheduling when someone else is dictating the schedule, that, that, that doesn't help. And then if the hour commitment gets to be too long, um, that can definitely pull you away from having the time to focus on a business too. I mean, we've heard people get jobs where assist like 10 or 12 hours a week in exchange for their site. And that would be ideal, especially if you could do it on a weekend. Um, that's not a, that big of a commitment at all. Yeah, and then you and then you have no expenses really. I mean, other I mean, you have your expenses, but one of your big one lodging is taken care of, which is which is really great. Lodging taken care of. Oftentimes, you can get rid of your internet expense. For us, laundry is a big one. You know, with especially my boy was with us, and we're doing laundry for the four. That can be another you know fifty six bucks a month that you can you can prize that. So you can kill a lot of your expenses doing it, um, just as long as you don't give up all your free time as well. And then again, from the experiential. Point of view, you know, both my kids get to learn how to bed, drive big tractors, you know, presentations. So there's a lot of experiences they got that they would have never had in a campground. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Well, the uh, the the connection's starting to get a little choppy between us, Mike. But I appreciate you jumping on again, man, and, and kind of going into some of the more yeah. details on on work camping. And uh, we still haven't got to meet up, but definitely would love to make that happen in the near future, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Mike. And uh, where can people find more out about you guys? Everything is uh, hooked off of ditchingsuburbia.com. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the show today with Mike. Uh, a little bit shorter than normal, but if you want to go and check out any of the links, places you can find work camping gigs that Mike mentioned in the show today, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 25, episode spelled out and the number 25, and you can find all the show notes over there. I just want to say that if you're listening, whether you're riding on a plane or driving in your RV or daydreaming at your job while you're thinking about driving an RV, I just want to say that I really appreciate you listening to this podcast and taking the time to better yourself and think about ways that you can live this lifestyle. And I feel like we're kindred spirits because we both have this similar passion for wanting to run a business and have the freedom to go live a life that we want, that we live as meaningful. So uh, the first 25 episodes of this podcast have been a blast to record. I plan on recording at least 25 more episodes of this podcast and hopefully continuing to do it as long as people are continuing to listen. But I told myself that I was going to at least record 50 so then I could know whether or not I hit my success metrics and meaning I didn't give up too soon and gave it a chance to you know have legs of its own and continue growing. So I'm grateful for the community, grateful for everyone listening to this podcast, the first 25 episodes. And I just want to say that if you're a silent listener and we haven't spoken before, you're not in the Facebook group or you never emailed me, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what's happening in your life and why you're listening to this podcast and what you've gotten out of it. Shoot me an email. My email is Heath, H-E-A-T-H, Dell, like the computer, D-E-L-L, Paget P-A-D-G-E-T-T at gmail.com. Or you can just hop on over to Heath Paget and shoot me a message over there. Love to hear from you. Love to hear what's happening in your life. I'll see you guys on the next episode of the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.